It's that time of year again. Bubble teams are making their final push for a bid while the top seeds, of course, the St. Bonaventure Bonnies, are preparing for what they hope is a long run. And DraftKings is giving all customers a free shot at up to $100,000. You heard that right. In total prizes. All you have to do is head to the DraftKings app and make your picks. Download the DraftKings app. Head to their free-to-play pools page and enter DraftKings' free $100,000 tournament seating pool. Free-to-play pools are easy to play as well. All you have to do is make your picks for who you think will get a ticket in a March's biggest tournament. If you have the most answers correct, you win. The bank is open. Easy. Plus, don't forget about golf's fifth major this weekend taking place in Florida where DraftKings will have even more money up for grabs. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. And you know those stimulus checks are hitting soon for our American listeners, and you're probably getting one. So go ahead, blow all that money on the St. Bonaventure Bonnie's making the final four <laughs> or uh, see them number one, whatever you want to do. However, whatever is the best way to go about it, of course. Well, download the DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN to get a free shot at a share of $100,000 in total prizes with DraftKings Tournament Seating Pool. That is promo code THPN for the Hockey Podcast Network to get a free shot at $100,000 in prizes only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and Buffalo Fanatics. As always, I'm Brendan. And I'm Taylor. And Taylor, the rumors are swirling right now. Sadly, for all of our listeners' sake, for our sake, our mental health sake, whatever you want to call it, Ralph Kruger is still somehow the coach of the Buffalo Sabres because there's no such thing as hitting rock bottom with this franchise. However, though, lots of stuff happening Well, on Wednesday, lots of rumors swirling Uh, for starters. The day started off with a questionable clip featuring Bruce Bruce Boudreaux. Jesus, I'm doing what you do now. (laughs) (laughs) Boost. Boost. I'm upset. (laughs) Boost. With Bruce Boudreaux, where he was uh, on TSN talking to Jeff Merrick and was asked who he likes to watch. And of course, his microphone or his phone, whatever he was using, started to crumble out a little bit and get some crappy reception. But he did mention the Buffalo Sabres. Nobody could make out whether he was laughingly saying he likes to watch them or that he doesn't like to watch them. Could really go either way. But then Josh Reed from Channel 4, not to be confused with the Bills receiver of the same name from the mid-2000s, Josh Reed tweeted, at 5.44 on Wednesday saying, I can confidently say that Bruce Boudreaux wants to coach again and that the Sabres would be very high on his list. He always looked at the franchise with reverence. He grew up just across the border, just bought a house in Hershey, PA, and is now the owner of a junior team there. So that's the pretty much all throughout the day. People were kind of speculating. Does it mean he's interested? Does it not? We don't really know. Uh, of course, there was a couple of days ago, uh, pretty much coming out of the weekend losses that... There were reports that people were tracking uh, jet flights from Florida to Pennsylvania. It was a whole thing. But this is the first concrete report that we've gotten that Bruce would be interested in the job. Before we get into talking about this further, I would just like to say, if this is true, 
I don't know how Ralph Kruger can possibly still be employed. Just knowing that this guy would potentially want to coach here. Anyways, though, getting a little bit further into the day now, Chad D. Dominicus, good friend of the pod, along with Jeremy White, another friend of the pod, both we've had on uh, great, great fellows, great follows for Sabres Twitter. They both then started fanning the flames of the rumor that the Sabres are also potentially interested in a college coach. Now, this isn't to say that they've made any calls or that they have, you know, reached out formally to anybody or, you know, that somebody's quarantining in Harbor Center right now or anything like that. But they had mentioned that it was an Eastern coach, neither of them definitively saying who it was, but Chad had given the little tip that it is a college that a current Sabre played at. So... After narrowing down the process of elimination, Taylor and I were going through. Uh, of course, BU comes to mind with Jack. There's Minnesota with Middlestat and Opozo, St. Cloud State with Will Borgian, um, UMass but, with Brandon Montour, and with Matt Irwin. But Chad also said it was not a Big Ten team. But it was so not no, a Big Ten team. No Minnesota, no Wisconsin. Right. Wisconsin being McCabe, which leads us to the rumor that makes a lot of sense. We're not entirely sure. So do not think that this is a report or anything like that, but it leads us to believe that it may be referring to Providence. And of course that is where Jacob Bryson played his college hockey. So Taylor, lot to unpack pretty much over the past 12 hours, not even uh, just with the news of the day, the rumors that have been swirling the Sabres of course now have lost eight in a row it's it's a mess as you know the the stat that I, I can't get out of my head that I keep thinking about is if you were to take their last 41 games put it to an 82 game pace they would have less than 20 regulation wins over the span of a season which would be worse worse than both of the tank years so things are yeah. looking really bad you know how Ralph Kruger is is still even employed again is beyond me but potentially a cause for a, a little bit of hope and excitement where are you standing with all of this yeah i mean like i said before it's always uh really nice to fire a coach and get a new coach uh it it lets you talk yourself into the idea that things could be different and like i said before with if it's a coach that's really annoyed you or you really don't like it just it's kind of a little dopamine hit like yeah get that guy the hell out of here right and sometimes it works out really well obviously i felt really good when rex ryan got fired not because i really thought the Bills are going to turn it around, but just because I thought, Hey, it's a new chance. And I really did not like that guy as a person or a coach. So, yeah, so I'm, I, I would be particularly excited about that. I think there's no, you have to have standards as an organization. And even though Kruger will not have coached a full year, I think there's a 0% chance he'd ever coach a full year here, honestly. And he's only coached like, he probably is getting right around a hundred games. Like, you know, what's going on. You can very much see it. I know it's not fair. This season's not a long season, but it's, it's also, he knew going in that it was 56 games. It's 56 games for everyone. So it's, it's very well-deserved. Now I think Providence seems like it, it's one of the rumors, but we should say that based on the clues that it's a one, a division one hockey coach two that it's a former Sabre played there and three, that it's a current Sabre played there. Uh, yeah. Sorry. A current Sabre. That is a current Sabre played there uh, and three that it's not in the big 10 are, Options are BU, St. Cloud State, UMass, uh, UConn, Notre Dame, and Providence. Although Providence does seem like it's uh, 
the biggest Jer- right now. And Jeremy had said that it was further east too than I believe Minnesota. And no, that takes out St. Cloud State. That takes out Notre Dame. And Notre Dame. So that even takes it down a little bit further. So Providence does kind of seem like it might be the one. We don't know that for sure, but we'll see. Who knows? Maybe by the time this episode is out and everyone's listening to this, we'll have some more clarification on that. Yeah. So obviously neither of us are big experts on college hockey. I don't even really watch college hockey. Mm-hmm. Uh, mostly because of John Bucci-Gross. But anyway, just, just a couple quick things. I'm looking at this guy. Uh, their coach name is Nate Lehman, and he's relatively young. One one tip or clue that I'm getting from a lot of these coaches, like Notre Dame in particular, is like if the coach is like 70 and he's been there for like 30 years, I don't think he's coming. Like, right, right. I don't think it's I don't think it's going to be that kind of guy. But uh, this guy, Nate Lehman, has won a national championship in 2015. They went he, they went to the Frozen Four in 2019, which wasn't that in Buffalo. Yeah, was it 19 or 18? I I don't know off the top of my head, but yeah, yeah. I think so. He coached um, a, uh, I believe, a Hobie Baker winner, and he also coached Tice Thompson, brother of Tage Thompson. Wow. Do you know how Tice Thompson is spelled? T-Y-C-E, right? Yeah, that sucks. <laughs> Absolute nonsense. Absolute nonsense. Uh, actually, sorry, he coached a Hobie Baker finalist, not a Hobie Baker winner. But it looks like they've been pretty good under him. So, I mean, that's something. Obviously, you have to win at the level How old is at. he? Coach? Uh, I'm not seeing an age here. But looking at his picture, I would guess mid-40s. But let me see if there's anything. Okay, he's a 1997 graduate of SUNY Cortland. SUNY guy, I like that. SUNY guys, you know, they're down to earth. There we go. So if he was 22 and he graduated, oh, hell yeah. Uh, He'd be born in 75, which would make him either 45 or 46 now. So good estimate by me based on that picture. Look at you go. Damn. Yeah. He also used to coach Union. uh, Okay. Before he took over for Portland. And Union is also – weirdly good at hockey also coached the world junior team this year okay there we go not bad i'm into that yeah it looks like he's got he's got an impressive college resume and uh, i mean i have no idea how that'll work out for like coming to the nhl but hey it's good to be good at something i mean ralph kruger kind of had no resume Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. no i agree and i think pretty much taking this from like the ground floor The Sabres, as it stands right now, are in last place, not only in the division, folks, but in the entire NHL. And yes, that is also including points percentage. Uh, We've played three less games than the uh, 30th team in the league, which is Detroit. But regardless of that, you're 6-14-4. and You have uh, 0.333 points percentage. You're, again, last in the NHL on a team where you have – several top five picks you have several guys who are either in or entering their prime right now the you know between jack eichel sam reinhardt jeff skinner taylor hall rasmus Dahlin, uh the the list goes on and not jeff skinner uh, the list goes on and on of guys who are not slouches by any means now don't get me wrong there are certainly as we all know a wealth of issues when it comes to the bottom six, when it comes to deployments, whatever, you know, goaltending, absolutely. But the way that this roster stands right now, there's absolutely no reason, none, zero, that this team should be in last place. Just none. They shouldn't even be in last place in their own division with the talent that they have on the roster compared to the counterparts, both in the division and around the league. So, you know, getting back to, again, kind of square one where it all starts. Ralph needs to be fired right now. 
I am boot him done with that being said now moving on to, you know, these potential coaches who might be out there. Uh, I, I just, I keep going back to this Bruce Boudreaux thing. And I, I know we've talked, we probably have talked about it like every episode for the, since the season started at this point, but yes, I think that right now, given the current structure of the organization, I like the idea of going younger, just like as a general thing for sports and and life and everything else. But in this instance, though, for the Sabres, you have a first time general manager who was, I'm pretty sure, selling ice cream cones at Harbor Center last year. You have owners who seemingly have no idea what they're doing. Your first time GM doesn't have any assistant GMs that he could lean on who have that experience. That's very valuable. Um, especially again, considering that Kevin Adams has virtually no front office experience in at least relative to the role that he's in right now, you have a shell of an analytics department, which I think essentially just comes down to, to Jason Nightingale, uh, your scouting department is depleted. And I know that they are putting more of an importance on video scouting, but you don't have anybody in Finland. You don't have anybody in Russia. You don't have anybody in the WHL and you're pretty bare bones right now when it, when it comes to decision-making pretty much every facet that is related to off the ice to me with all of that in mind, I just, I, it is a new level of incompetence that you don't have Bruce Boudreaux on the phone right now because of the fact that he brings you experience, a winning pedigree, playoff experience. He's he's coached so many different players, ranging from role players to a number of different star players as well throughout his career. Um, you know, I, I, I also don't think, you know, we have to hide from the fact that like, yeah, he was definitely fired for a reason, but also though, given the options that are available right now and what's out there, he is probably the best given the Sabres current situation. And it it just, it's taking it, like I said, to a new level of incompetence or just not even caring for the Pagula's sake that they don't have him on the phone. Or I mean, who knows, maybe they do, but that the guy isn't hired right now. If there is any, even a shred of interest, there's, there's just no experience for anybody in this entire organization. And you have the ability to bring in a guy who actually has that. And I don't know, to me, that is just very appealing to me right now. What do you, what do you think about that? Yeah, I, so I absolutely agree. So based on one thing you said there, I think that's actually kind of important when, uh, that, cause I don't think a lot of people know this Lance Liskowski from the, Buffalo he was the one, one who brought that up. Yeah. With the scouting. Yes. Yes. He, that brought that up. That is genuinely stunning. Because it just also came out that the draft is going to be held as normal in July. Not normal, normal, but as planned. Yeah. Obviously, it's a month later than normal. Uh, so the draft's happening. A lot of GMs wanted to move to either January or just hold a double draft next year, which I think is pretty stupid. Um, but one thing I don't think a lot of people realize right now, or maybe people people are thinking, are other are guys that are draft eligible playing? The answer is yes, they are playing. Mm-hmm. There are guys playing in the NCAA. Uh, usually there aren't a lot of draft eligible guy there, but there are some, uh, the QMJHL has been playing all year and the WHL is ramping up. Like they just, they already started, but they're, they have a schedule and they're going to play a, a abbreviated season. The OHL, it's not clear that they're going to play a season. It, it's mm-hmm. looking really shaky at this point, but in Finland and Sweden and Russia, they're playing. 
the, all those pro leagues you're playing everywhere, you know, if you're, if you're looking, yeah. I don't know if people know this, but the WHL and Finland are pretty important. I, yeah, I, I, guess, I mean, does that mean that they don't have anybody like in the Liga right now, like over there I, the, yes, or in the K? I, I mean, that's insane to me. It, it, it's nuts. Well, did Lance also say they didn't have anyone in Russia? I'm pretty sure it was Finland and Russia. Good Lord. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So that's that's not good, obviously. And even with the OHL, like you're going to have guys who are draft eligible that aren't going to play this year. Well, the, the guys who were scouting him last year are gone. So you actually do need to hire people who know uh, a thing or two about the OHL. Like other teams will have their guys that watch them and their draft. Is it, is it called a draft minus one season? Is that a thing? I guess. Yeah. I'm going gonna, gonna to coin that term that, if it's not real. I do have that confirmed, too. It is the WHL and no coverage in Finland or Russia. So they're basically just like a team in the eighties, except no WHL as well or, or OHL, whatever. Okay. So, so that's a huge problem. Like this is, this organization is like so incredibly bare bones right now that it's, it's, it seems impossible to get out of this rut. Cause it's like, they're not even trying mm-hmm. like the Bagula era started really poorly while he was funding everything. And while they were like behaving like an actual organization, because they weren't good at stuff and they didn't have a good front office and they were drafting poorly, even with, you know, what they were doing. Mm-hmm. So the fact that they're not spending money is going to exacerbate that problem. And unless that really gets turned around, I don't see a way that the franchise's fortune gets turned around. It kind of does lead me to a larger point that I think we're coming up on something that's not as simple as hiring the right GM, like the bills did. Mm-hmm. It might not be that simple because the long and short of it is the Sabres are a money pit. And that's not anything new. They were viable for a while. Professional sports changed though over the years. Professional hockey said so it lagged behind all the other ones. But there was a time when like, yeah, the salary cap wasn't a thing. Guys got underpaid. Guys probably didn't make as much money as they should. And that always benefited teams like the Sabres. And the Sabres were by the Noxes who were not like – super billionaires they were local wealthy people mm-hmm. who just wanted to wanted to run a professional sports team and wanted to win and stuff and then you know the mid-90s came and the, the things changed like the all over the league the financial realities changed that's why we got the lockout no 405 like they needed to like set a standard for how organizations like could actually compete in with each other how like for example how could buffalo compete with toronto even though we had made two cups more recently than them lol how could we financially compete with them or detroit or things like that and in the 90s like to kind of deal with this they brought in the the reguses as like co-owners which is another thing people are talking about now bringing in some like partial owners uh minority owners and then the noxes died and the reguses obviously took over and they did have money but they still were not spending it as much on the sabers like as much as the sabers had success in a lot of that was due to Hashik. In fact, you could say all that was due to Hashik. A hundred percent. They didn't pay Pekka. You think it was Darcy Regeer that was going, I don't really want this former Selkie winner slash, I think former captain, who was probably the best forward on our uh, cup runner-up team. No, like they didn't, they didn't want to pay him. They didn't want to pay to have a guy like that around. And that obviously cost them an 0-1. And then they ran into, let's say, a, a spot of trouble where they all went to prison. And the team almost moved. <laughs> and that was trouble. that was uh the worst. That was the worst of the worst. I thought that would be the lowest point in my life for the Sabres. I remember we leaving a Sabres game in 03, which at that point was the worst they'd been in a while. They were 12th in the East. Can you imagine 12th? Oh my god. Mm. 
that'd be our best finish in like the last decade. And I was walking through that tunnel, like where, not tunnel, but you know what I'm talking about, that yeah. uh, above ground ramp. It, it, yep. goes, it, it goes straight to the parking ramp. And like Gilbert Perot was there handing out Save Our Sabres pins. It said SOS on it. I thought that was really cool to meet him. Wow. But people were, you know, really worried the Sabres are going to move. I mean, Mark Hamister, that whole ordeal, we don't have time to get into that. And then Golisano like saved the team more or less. But he was another guy that was like, oh, uh, you know, kind of hands off. Let Darcy do whatever. They got good, you know, through no uh, doing of his. And this is also after that lockout. So like the financial situation is more figured out. And what happens? As soon as they got to pay people, Golisano's being like, eh, I don't know. And the organization, I think, suffered in a lot of ways. I don't think it was just players. So when Pagula gets there, here's someone that money doesn't matter at all. He's even richer than Golisano, like a, a lot richer, a real billionaire. And he says, you know, if money's a problem, I'll just drill a well. <laughs> LOL. Yeah. Uh, and he throws money at everything. They they create new positions. They try to do way more. Obviously, they build Harbor Center. They build 716. They build the Marriott. They buy a million other things, even not the bills notwithstanding here. And financially, that didn't work out. Hockey-wise, it didn't work out at all either. Like, they've been extremely bad this whole decade. But financially, not good. Like, it, it, it doesn't seem like it's – I don't know if he – was thinking that he was going to be a genius businessman and like make it work financially but like i i maintain that it should not be that hard to break even as a professional sports franchise in buffalo and i'm sure colisano was doing very well for himself you know when everyone was buying slug gear but the, the fact is when the sabers are this bad for this long in this market it's going to be and if you want to keep spending the cap it's not going to be easy to make money and that i that's why you saw everything you saw last year you saw people getting fired all over the organization. You saw PR guys, you saw business guys, you know, ticket managers. I don't know. I don't know what they think they're doing. And obviously they're losing money in a lot of different ways, but to give you way too long of an answer, I think my concerns go way beyond this coach, even though I want to hire a new coach and I'll be excited by literally almost anyone. My concerns are bigger than that. They're bigger than even someone getting brought in to be Kevin Adams boss. Like, we need, yeah, sure. We need a president of hockey operations. We need Kim to get out of that role. She's not qualified, but we also need an assistant general manager and we need a full scouting staff. And, you know, just speaking for me here, I care about things like game day presentation and, and PR and how they yeah. uh, media relations. So oh my God. Yeah. Get, get, like, <laughs> I don't know what Chris Bandura is doing these days. Like after they very unceremoniously let him go during a pandemic after 20 years. And after literally every reporter in the league was like, this guy's the fucking best, but I would try to get him back. Obviously apologize. I don't know if he wants to go back. I mean, I'm, I'm not, yeah, not just left them too. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. It's, it's, it's bad vibes all around Pagulaville right now. Very bad vibes. And that and it's not one person's fault, but like, it might be two people's fault. It's two people's fault. You're right. And it, go, it goes right back to the top. I mean, like you said, you have to try to not be able to make money on a sports team in Buffalo in the same way that you probably have to try to not make the playoffs one time in 10 years. For me, I, I'm exactly there with you. I think that, yeah, of course, I mean, it's going to, you know, be exciting whenever they can Ralph and get somebody new in there. But yeah, I mean, if you want to talk about it on like the the bigger picture, yeah, it is a huge problem. And it really does make you wonder, 
when is this going to happen? Like when is like the big hammer going to fall where it's either a minority owner comes in? I mean, I don't know if the league would, but it's not normal for us to just repeatedly have to get reminded that the franchise is bleeding, just endlessly, endlessly bleeding. A lot of those wounds are self-inflicted, but at the end of the day, I mean, something's going to have to give at some point or another. And if, you know, it seems as though things financially there are as bad as everybody has been speculating. And if that's the case, I mean, you're going to have to do something that's either, you know, whether it is a minority ownership, I know they've been asked and they pretty firmly denied that they, you know, would be against the idea of, of selling the team, but what are you going to do? Like, if you don't have the money and you're just, you're just going to let this organization continue to bleed out like this, you can't, you absolutely cannot. Right. And it's an embarrassment on every level. You know, it's, that's the thing that's crazy too, is with the current team right now, sure. You could look at Ralph, but it is fair to say I legit Cause like, honestly, like knowing the talent that they have on this team right now, I legitimately do believe like cannot believe that they are as bad as they are. And I know a coach will help with that. Like a new coach will help with changing that, but like, it's legitimately like, dumbfounding and like i can't figure out just how they could be this bad even with an incompetent coach i thought that they would have still been top heavy enough to overcome that when you look at the front office screw-ups and the turmoil that they've faced and how things are as bad as they are right now in the bigger picture sense it's the exact opposite you could point to pretty much every decision that they've made and say good or bad. Most of the time it's been bad. And then that gets us to the point of where we are right now. It's, it goes so much further than how they've handled things through the pandemic, which again has been an absolute dumpster fire. Cannot stress that enough. The past year for the Pagoulas is probably if they're, if we haven't hit it yet, which I'm assuming we have not, because who knows how bad this is going to really get, but like, the past year is the probably the worst that things have been for the Pagulas in their 10 years, going on 10 years as owners now. And it is self-inflicted, you know, with the Sabres. Sure, there are some self-inflicted wounds there, like we were saying before with Eakin, handing out money to Opozo, given his style of play and age. Um, you know, if you want to go as far as to say the Skinner contract, yeah, I'm not ready to give up on that quite yet. You know, but there's a lot of, you know, things where you kind of just have to scratch your head and wonder like, wow, how are things this bad? But when it comes to the bigger picture, again, with, with the front office, with ownership, you know, there's a trail there and you can go back through and figure out exactly how we got to this point. It's not hard to follow. And, and sadly now it just seems like we're very, very rapidly approaching an impasse that we really never thought that we would think that we'd see with them. And I I don't know what it's going to be, but something is going to have to give at some point or another, because if you don't have the money to run two franchises, then you need to get the fuck out. So I do disagree with something you said there at the beginning, What's that? because I don't think it's actually easy to make money with the Sabres. I think like, for example, they own the bills. It is if you're good. It is if you're good. I don't agree. I don't, really? I don't, I don't know there's evidence that you could ever make real money the way 
that matches your investment. Like the bills they put up, obviously not cash. I know it's not like that, but basically they're paying 1.4 billion over a certain period of time to pay to own the bills. There's they get handed just for existing without the being good part. Like hundreds of millions of dollars a year. Well, yeah, I mean, dude, you like can't compare the NFL. No, to the no, NFL I'm, I'm just to... I'm just talking about the difference. So like the NFL, if you can get in, you definitely do it. The thing is, you can't get in it. it the bills cost one point four billion seven years ago. No team is cheaper than two point five billion now. There's like 40 people in the whole country that can own a team. Right. So like, yeah. OK, so like that that'll pay off easily. But at the very least, they'll always have a cash flow from the NFL, even in a year like this where there were no fans. Now. Hockey, I think, is different. Obviously, different markets respond differently, but like there are consistently teams that lose money. I think the difference is with Buffalo is that it's a market where you sell out a lot. People are very engaged, TV ratings wise, uh, and then in terms of buying merchandise too. Theoretically, the the big problem though is like it's it's the it's what they look at. It's why that there's there's never going to be another hockey team in like Hartford or why another professional sports team will never move to Buffalo is because it's all about corporate money. That's corporate sponsorships, people, uh, corporations buying boxes, all that stuff. That's super important. And that's, you know, not even getting to some other points that that it's vital to like making sure you can survive in a league where like, yeah, you're uh, you're paying like $80 million for your players. So that's best before we even get to the fact that the Sabres have also been bad. I don't think they're losing like that, that report last year that says they're losing between 10 and 50 million a year. Let's, you know, even if you be generous and say 20 million was their worst year and the report was exaggerated, you don't just turn $20 million around easily to just because you're good, like on ticket sales and merchandise and people watching the TV product more, or maybe, maybe even another corporation wants to get involved or more sponsors want to get involved if they're good. Sure. I'm, I'm sure they could make money. Like it's a possibility or pass break, even, even with spending to the cap, but that involves winning, that involves playoff revenue and all that. And even then, is it, it I don't think any person who's looking at it from a business perspective goes, yes, I'm paying $150 million for this franchise or $200 million or whatever it's going to cost now. I'm putting all this money in and I'm making this profit margin. No one would ever say that's worth it. So you have to have an owner who, one, is more than just like your local wealthy person, like is a real, real billionaire. And they want to spend all this money. They want to spend money. Like it's, it's, I think it's kind of a lost thing in, in sports, like guys that are going like, whatever, I'll just lose money. The this guy who put the guy who we thought Pagula was when we, when yeah. he first came on or the guy who he was until this past spring, until he went like, this shit isn't worth it. Well, yeah, I don't know. I definitely get what you're saying. And I definitely agree to an extent, but I do think that this is a, could be, I should say, because I'm not going to definitively, you know, try and say that I know the financial ins and outs. But I do think, though, that in this instance, with winning being involved, that correlation would equal causation. And the fact that I even know it through my own job, and I'm not going to go into it too much, but like, I know that, like, I know of several companies who previously had sponsorship deals with the Sabres who, when their contract came up and it was in the middle of this drought that we're in right now that they were like, well, why would we do this? Like we should, we would spend money on the bills rather than do this. Like there's really no point to continue this. I mean, you put competent ownership with a team having the success of like Oh five to Oh seven. 
I do think that that would work out. And I know that, like you said, hockey and, and the NFL are, are way different. And pretty much if you get in on the ground floor of the NFL, like you're set. Um, but in this instance, though, knowing what we know, as you had said, Taylor, with how the TV ratings are consistently, not only at like the top of the league for just like our own games, but other teams playoff games, it is without fail that the Sabres are in the top three. So, you know, you have the market for it, as you had said, also when they are good, but even when they've been bad, they have a very, very strong season ticket holder base, which again, when you're trying to pitch to sponsors, that's definitely helpful knowing that you are guaranteed you're going to have asses in the seat so that people are going to be able to see whatever, you know, sponsorship opportunities, this, that, and the other, the selling out, if they're good, there is not an empty seat in the arena. We haven't experienced that in about 10 years, but again, it's, it just is the way that it is again. And then merch sales too. It's the same thing. And all of that then building up to the fact that if you have a successful product on the ice, you have people who are taking in that product. You have people who are a part of the community who are investing in it. That then is going to attract those bigger name sponsors where you actually are going to be able to make your money. And that, you know, like, uh, I, I just think like right now, when I think of like sponsorships with the Sabres and stuff like that, it's for like fucking dentist office and stuff like that. Yeah, it's, it's bad. It's horrible. But when you're good and you give people a reason like to want to be a sponsor to you, to be associated with your name, then like, yeah, then you have a, you have a, maybe it's not clear, but there is an avenue there for you to make a profit off of this. It's just, it's the truth. And I think that given the fact that Buffalo is a smaller market, yeah, to a degree that definitely can hurt them. But I think also at the same time, it can, in a sense, help them too, because of how, you know, it's a Buffalo is like a mid-level market, we'll call it, but the, and this is subjective, of course, but like the, the devotion of people here to sports teams is undeniable and I, I don't really know how I could best quantify that other than saying, like, look at the Bills or look at the Sabres before the year, like, 2010. It, I, I don't know. I, I just do think that there is a path for them. And I think that even though I agree with what you're saying and the fact that, like, it's definitely not easy, if you're good at what you do and you are surrounding yourself with competent people and people who help you in your decision-making process – then in Buffalo, you should not be struggling to make a profit off of the hockey team. You, 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 like there's a, there's, a, there's a path forward for it is all I'm trying to say. Do we have any proof they've ever been profitable in the past quarter century? Do you, but I mean, I don't know because be this curious, is a thing that be, they're a private organization. We have no idea. I would be curious like, to know how things were pretty much pre-Regus. How they, like 70s, 80s, and early 90s. Oh, Oh yeah. So yeah. So that, that, yes. that's what I say. That's different. That's yeah. Well, See, that's, the, like I said, it's a whole different era. Right. But the thing is though, is even though it's a different era, they have not had stable ownership since then. They haven't. Yeah. But why did Golisano sell? What's that? Why'd Golisano sell? Cause he's Golisano. I mean, I don't know. Like he, he still sold. Like, did you, that's, this is what I'm saying though, is like, even while, Galasano was the owner they were still dealing with this financial bullshit he wasn't he wasn't the person to do it that's that's why I mean realistically that is what it was what he people could say whatever they want like like you said he was like a local 
wealthy person and the Pagula's level of wealth was is very different, but like you need somebody that's like up there where money is not going to be an issue. You need to have the Terry that we had, you know, at least for like opening his wallet up. I don't know. Why? What was your point you were going to make about Galasano? I'm going to look up Galasano's net worth real quick. I think he's a little bit more than, let's say, well, well, definitely the Noxes, but the, the Ricas own Phil, uh, Adelphia. Jesus, I almost yeah. called Philadelphia. They own Adelphia. They were not cash trapped in any way. They were like, they didn't have Pakula wealth, but they well, had it, like, but wealth again, wealth. but Taylor, th- this is what I'm saying with the, with the correlation though, is that when you have these owners that yes, maybe for them in their personal financial situation, they're not cash strapped. If you are cash strapped in terms of what you're able to do with the on ice product and paying guys and getting guys in here and doing the things that you need to do to have a successful on ice product, then you, that that's my whole point is like you do have that path there with Regis. Yeah, he was super wealthy. Same thing, Galasano, super wealthy. Both instances of guys where they did not want to open their wallets up and pay people. And that again then leads to the on ice product getting impacted negatively, which then impacts your ability to attract new sponsors. Yeah, but so I just looked, Galasano is worth 4.2 billion. The reason my, my thing I hear, I think, is it's not 4. that it's impossible wow. to, yeah. That's more than I thought, actually. That's, like, that's way so more he's only than I about a, not even a billion and a half behind Pagula. But mm-hmm. like, yeah, so Pagula was willing to do that, and they lost a shitload of money. It's I don't know if it, you can say it's just because they're bad. Like I said, that twenty million doesn't just come from nowhere. Like, like I guess what I'm getting at here with this is I think it's it's not that it's impossible to make money, but it might be impossible to consistently turn a profit if you're the Sabers, and and you need an owner that's okay with that. Now that's exacerbated by if you're just going to be bad forever and you're just going to disappoint people forever, then you realistically are going to never make money. Yeah. But obviously they, they can't be bad forever. Maybe they can, but well, and I just have the good ownership, but like also they still have really good season ticket sales. Not what it used to be. And even with that, they're, they're, they're getting killed money financially. I don't, I think there's a good possibility that this isn't a viable market, but we're not alone in that. We're not like the, the way that's the way professional sports are now. You, but I think in that situation, you need owners who are willing to do what the Pugulas were doing before and not kind of bolt like they are doing now to an embarrassing degree. And the problem is, is this isn't a wealthy area. I, I have no idea who could. No, be it's guy. not. And I, and I don't want to let me totally make something clear because I don't want you or anybody like listening to mi- like, you know, misconstrue what I'm saying or whatever. But like, I'm not trying to say that like, the Sabres are going to make like be like a booming metropolis of just raking in the dough. That's not what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say though, is that I'm not going to go through it again, but like all of the, the different facets that I mentioned that should lead you to a place where you are not bleeding yourself dry. That should lead you to a place where you are sustainable. I don't need the Sabres to be like, break like going way over you know in terms of like their earnings with like millions upon millions and millions and millions of dollars like that's not what i'm saying the goal of the sabers and of any team in like a mid-level market or a smaller market like this is to be sustainable and part of being sustainable is not bleeding money to like such a crazy degree in the way that they are now and winning and having success then leads to the domino effect of you being able to remain sustainable. Like the Rangers are never going to have to worry about leaving New York and with good reason, obviously, 
The Sabres, that has been a legitimate concern at points in the team's history. All I'm trying to say is that the path forward for them to be a sustainable franchise where even if they are breaking even or they're making, you know, a couple million, whatever, I don't know the, you know, the numbers off the top of my head, I'm sure I'm off with whatever I'm saying with that, but like that they can be profitable and not again, just bleeding themselves dry year after year after year. That's all I'm trying to say. Like there's, there's a way forward for that. And even though we are a small market, there are ways that you can overcome that. And even to an extent, have that play to your advantage well good news for nhl owners in buffalo and elsewhere uh the nhl has a a huge new tv deal i'm so excited to talk about this i'm so so excited too the 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 long and short of this uh, the (laughs) nhl is going to be back on espn uh it's it's been on espn plus the last couple years but like those are all like local broadcasts that are just shown on espn plus now real nhl hockey back on espn so it's going to be a little bit different than you would have expected. And I, I do think there's a lot we could talk about with what this means for the future of rights, but like a couple big numbers here. First it's starting next season and it's a seven year deal. And the ESPN will be paying the NHL $400 million a year for the entire of the deal. And this is not an exclusive deal like they've had with NBC for the past, however many years, 15 or 16, this deal is, open-ended, which means that there are some rights still up in the air for NBC, even though NBC Sports isn't going to exist anymore, or Fox, or someone else to, to bid on. CBS, who knows? Right, but because for like the playoffs, for example, I believe ESPN is going to cover half of the first two round matchups. Like I think they're going to, it's like two from each conference uh, in the first two rounds. Then they get one of the conference final matchups. And then I think they get the Stanley cup every other year of the deal, which ends up being, I think four or five compared to four or three. Like, yeah. So yeah, you're right. So ABC and ESPN will, one of the two will air for the next seven Stanley cups. They'll have one conference final each year. They'll have half of the playoff package, like you said, and they'll also simulcast playoff games like it does for other marquee events. They'll have 25 exclusive national regular season games on ABC or ESPN. NHL.TV will cease to exist in the United States and be folded into ESPN Plus, which is very interesting. There will be 75 exclusive games streamed on ESPN Plus and Hulu that are produced by ESPN. And uh, this deal doesn't impact the NHL center ice out-of-market television package sold by providers, which is, I don't know. That's like older people stuff. No no, no one RH has center ice. (laughs) But anyway, um, that's going to be interesting because I think the fact that there's only 25 regular season games on ESPN is interesting, ESPN or ABC, because NBC Sports and NBC air got to be like 100 plus Couple a year. A week, yeah, easily. So do you think that there will be a lot more regular season games being shown elsewhere, say NBC buys it and puts them on USA Network or something like that? Or do you think that we're just going to have a lot more games on streaming these days? It's really tough because – Part of me thinks that it's got to be open-ended like that because they think that maybe something will continue with NBC or like you said, CBS potentially, if they want to get into it. But I do think that this is a really good step in the right direction for starters. I think that getting yourself cornered into the ESPN market and being able to not only have 
like games aired there and having them produce games as well, but also it's going to then impact the coverage that you get as well. You know, it's a a long running joke. And I know, you know, some people are very serious about this. It it is annoying that it's not covered as much, but like the ESPN really doesn't have a whole lot of NHL coverage. And when they do, I don't want to listen to Matt Barnaby or fucking Barry Melrose. Like tell me nothing pretty much. Or John Butchergross or Linda Cohn. I don't mind that. I don't mind Pass on all those losers. I mean, I don't mind. I know that they're <laughs> going to be involved like Steve Levy too. Like I know those dudes are those. And the, like you said, Linda Steve Cohn. Levy's cool. I'd love, I'd love uh, Steve Levy play by play. He does a good, he's very good at play by play. Um, I would have to think though, with an investment like that, they are going to seriously be investing in expanding their hockey department because right now I'm pretty sure that beyond like the three that we just mentioned there, that's like Wyshynski and Emily Kaplan are the only other people who really cover hockey for them. At least Uh, I could be wrong. There may be our other people that I'm just blanking on right now, but those are the two that always jump out at me. But that's really exciting though, that ESPN is going to not only be broadcasting, but it's definitely going to mean that they're going to be expanding their coverage on sports center and all the other programs like tenfold or however, you know, like greatly infinitely. Um, I am very curious though, Taylor, for how that is going to shake out with the remaining games. And then also, as you said before, how it's going to impact streaming. So you and I both, I believe are subscribers to ESPN plus, Yes. Um, it's only like four ninety nine a month, so it's it's generally oh, reasonable. It's going up actually. Oh, really? Uh, well, I'm not sure what ESPN Plus exactly is going to go up, but the bundle, uh, that's the ESPN Plus Disney Hulu bundle, is going to go up to like nineteen ninety nine a month. Okay, I pay, I get Hulu for free, and I have ESPN and Disney separately, so I don't know how that would. I wonder if ESPN's just going to. I don't know if it's going to go up in general, just because huh. NHL TV is being added on. Or if you have to pay extra for NHL TV. Interesting. I don't know. That will be kind of interesting to shake out. Well, either way, though, like if you have the means, of course, I've, you know, it, it's it'll be really good to have, you know, for for having games. I, I do have concerns from like an accessibility perspective, which I think is what a lot of people have shared concerns about. Um, just because, like I said, it, it's just a fact of the matter that not everybody has the means to pay for 800 streaming services, you know, like it's a lot. And adding another one into the mix is you can absolutely make the argument that it is making hockey less accessible, but it's tough though, because on the other end of that sword, you have them going to the most popular sports network in the world um, and making the game more accessible on that front. I wonder about though, if there is any, flexibility or I don't know whether I guess like the legal terminology would be, but for them to amend the deal for them to potentially broadcast more games than just the 25, because I thought that that was a pretty low number. And I think it's going to be cool that they're going to lean into, I say this of course, as a subscriber to ESPN plus, that it'll be cool that there'll be a lot of games on there. Cause to be honest, like I have ESPN plus, but I don't really use it like a ton. If that's the case though, like with adding the games, I will use it a bunch, but I do wonder if there is any possibility that that might get amended where if things go really well and say maybe ESPN sees a significant bump in subscribers to ESPN plus they're getting great ratings on the games that maybe like a year or two into that contract that that can get moved around a little bit. Um, I kind of forgot what your original question was, but generally, yeah, me too. <laughs> generally speaking, I'm pretty psyched about this. What, what do you think? How are you feeling about so- it? So, a couple of things. One is, I think it's interesting is that I don't know if they're going to add to the national games just because I always was kind of curious about how ESPN was going to do 
an NHL package just because look at look at their winter package as it is now. Like they show a ton of NBA games. They have a deal with the NCAA for men's basketball. They like with literally like every conference. That's basically why they have ESPN Plus is to dump all those games on there. Um, they have uh, NCAA women's basketball in the winter, and then WNBA isn't strictly the winter, but they also own. And for anyone that you know might be thinking like, yes. The, ESPN will be adding hockey-related talent. They have to be. Probably poaching it from NBC Sports, at least some of the guys. But I don't think you're just going to start seeing it all the time on, like, first take or around the horn or whatever because they they already have, like – like, they don't talk about the WNBA. They own those rights. They, like, have the CFL in the, in the summer. They don't talk about that. Like, I think a lot of the shows will remain, like, you know, b- basketball and NFL-centric, and then you'll have the occasional, like – if it's a very interesting thing, like what you have now, but you'll have like sports center hits uh, the way you have with baseball. Now, frankly, I think it's going to be treated a lot more like baseball. Baseball used to be king on ESPN and it's, yeah. it's nowhere close to that now. So I think hockey will be treated like that. I do. One of my main concerns with this is I think, like you said, accessibility. Uh, I'm a, a soccer fan, EPL soccer, that is specifically. And when I started to get into it, it was so much more accessible Uh Lots of games in NBC Sports, which, like we said before, is going away for some reason, even though it brought in literally hundreds of millions. It was announced that Peacock, which is replacing it ostensibly in a sports coverage, uh, lost $914 million in its first year. Hire me, NBC. I can lose you $900 million, probably in a more fun way. This is a huge reason why also for what it's worth. I mean, I I know it's different because of the difference in sports, but you know this because you have kind of been my somewhat partial guide into trying to get into the Premier League. But that's why I really have it as much because it's just not super accessible. And I don't like having to jump through hoops with NBC sports and whoever the hell else is, is broadcasting it to try and find, right. it. you know, with the NHL, it's easy because I'm already a fan of it. And I know websites that do streaming that I can just go watch any game I want with a sport that I don't know. And again, with relating that to the, you know, the United North America, or even the whole world for that matter, considering now this is going to be like way more, um, like farther broadcasts than just on like NBC sports and like the fucking history channel or wherever else they were playing games last year. Like it's going to, I don't know. Yeah. Anyways, sorry, go yeah. ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt there. Yeah, no problem. It's important so like, though to, the, the EPL is a great example though. You're like, you're right. Like there, when, when it, I started watching, which I think is, this is how it was set up. Like when NBC got exclusive rights, it's the only, it's the only place that shows EPL games. So they'd have occasionally the like big, big game on NBC, like maybe once a Saturday, once a Sunday, every once in a while. And then NBC sports had a lot of games. And then the rest of the games are just on this app called NBC gold, which you could pay for, but usually those were the lesser games. So if you're a fan of crystal palace, like, yeah, sorry, you're going to pay for that. We're putting the big games on TV, which is of course what the EPL wants because they want their American fans that like United and city and Spurs and Liverpool and Arsenal and Chelsea to be able to watch on there. And, but they want, you know, their fans to have access via NBC gold. Sure. But that app was, yeah, that app was garbage app whatever streaming service i don't know what you would call it they had other sports on there too it wasn't just soccer it was awful mm-hmm. and nobody liked it and at the same time obviously they're looking to retain some of their shows that they lent i shouldn't say lent but sold the rights to temporarily like the office and their other popular 2000s comedies and other properties they have pull those back in and start their own streaming service which was everyone's doing right now and it's an awful idea it's such a bad idea <laughs> um while this this the second most popular sports network, more popular than FS1, more popular than ESPN2, uh, they just shutter it. 
And I thought that was nonsense. I know a lot of their rights are coming up and maybe they weren't going to bid on some of this stuff, but it makes it harder. It makes it so the casual fans don't want to get involved. Like you're just flipping through and you're like, oh, okay, on, on this cable I have or cable I steal or pirate or whatever, I, I can see like City play Liverpool. You're like, oh, hell yeah. But now they're not doing that. They're putting that on Peacock to make, oh, oh I got to get Peacock if I want to watch that. But it's only soccer fans saying that. Non-soccer fans are scrolling through and seeing like, oh, uh, NBC Sports, they're showing Crystal Palace at West Brom and no one's interested. <laughs> and they're going to make it harder on us too. Like you now- just made that up and I wouldn't have even known. Oh, those, those I, are two teams. I'm sure they are, but I'm just saying you could have made that up and <laughs> had absolutely no idea. Yeah, so like there's a lot of cool things that streaming's done. Like it's made it so like every Bonaventure game's available. You know, it's ESPN Plus, like, Every Bonaventure game wasn't available before. Like I'd have to watch the the broadcast the students made, or if it was on the road, sometimes it was tough luck. I, you can't watch it all. Listen to the radio. Uh, you know, like in, it wasn't like they were nowhere. Like a lot of their games were on NBC Sports or CBS or a few other places. But it was there were games that you couldn't see, and now there aren't. Uh, for like a UCL soccer, like uh, not UCL. Sorry, I'm messing that up. Uh, Ch- Championship Division, which is the second division in England. That's on ESPN Plus. That's great. I'd never watch that anywhere. That'd never be on TV here. Uh, now, but if you are a soccer fan and your team is playing European football, like in Champions League or Europa League, no, NBC doesn't have the rights to that. You got to watch that on uh, Paramount Plus, formerly known as CBS All Access. And also, your team's playing in the FA Cup or the, the League Cup. The other things that those, every team competes in. So, yes, it is if you have a team. That's on ESPN Plus. You have to have three different apps to watch your team. And now, in the NHL, that might not be the exact same thing because those circumstances don't exist. But if they have dual rights, and if NBC does bid on that and put hockey games on Peacock, now you have Peacock and ESPN Plus and maybe cable to watch the actual games that are on TV. For example, the Stanley Cup and all that. I think there are some problems there, although I'm, I'm yeah. excited for part of it. And you know what? More than anything, I hope somehow this deal ends up with Pierre Maguire not being employed so I don't have to hear whatever he thinks about anything anymore. Speaking of that, you know what I, it's probably impossible. I don't know if it is or not, obviously, because I don't know contract details, but you know what I would really, really love to see come out of this? Mike Tirico returned to ESPN to be their lead play-by-play guy for NHL games because he did a couple of games. What was in the playoffs last year? Last year, I think. I don't think it was this year, but man, I mean, he's great at calling big games anyways, but watching him or well i should say listening to him call hockey games was so enjoyable and he's just got the perfect voice for it he has the perfect amount of energy for it where it's not like it's like corny with a lot of announcers and yeah i don't know i i just think that that would be he he's such a great fit for pretty much like any sport so you know it's tough to say i mean he's done so many the dude you know, is re- he could do the masters he could do the super bowl he could do the stanley cup like he could do anything but I really, really enjoyed him um, in, in his, his play-by-play. And I don't know. I mean, I think half of that is indicative of what an incredible talent that he is and just how he's just generally speaking seems to be a really awesome guy. And then the other side of that even being that on the national level, there really is not any good play-by-play guys or women or anybody right now in the mainstream like there's nobody really that i could think of that's like they are awesome at what they do in the way that you probably could with like 
the NFL for, and, and it's not even a matter of only like a play-by-play guys. It's people. It comes down to color commentary as well. You know, like yep. why can't like the, like maybe that's something good that can come from, from the ESPN deal is maybe the NHL finds their version or ESPN finds like the hockey version of Tony Romo, where you just have somebody who literally is breaking down like plays and rushes before they happen. And it, it's educating the viewer while keeping them just hooked on what's happening. Um, I mean, think about it. Like how often do people here say that like they'll watch a game and then they turn off, like if it's a national game, they'll turn it off and then they'll listen to the radio broadcast while watching the game. Like it's a very common thing. And I think that with ESPN and, and this whole deal, they're very well positioned now that if they could get like some either recently retired stars or like all time greats to be a part of the broadcast, who just happen to be like super charismatic, um, and like are very cerebral, I guess, in the way that like Tony Romo is, where he's just so quick and just knows how to anticipate like that. I mean, that would be amazing because NBC Sports and NBC, they sure as hell don't do that right now. I, you yeah. know, Pierre doesn't do that. Uh, I mean, I know everybody loves Doc and he was great. Well, not everybody loves Doc, but like a lot of people, you know, like they Universe, should love Doc. Yeah, Doc was great. You know, like he was just so great at calling those big moments um and just building like the hype and anticipation but he's gone now and you had Tariko with with nbc but now this is going to espn and so it, it could end up being a very exciting opportunity for them should they go about it the right way and not just do the tried and true to tradition of just trying to hire like grinders or failed coaches to come on and be analysts, like get some people on there who have success, who people are going to be glued to the television when they are speaking, whether it's between periods or they're doing color, uh, color or play by play. hundred percent. I wrote a thing for awful announcing a couple of years ago, basically about wanting Tariko to cover an NHL or call an NHL game. Yeah. I mean, he was awesome at it. He was so good at it when he did, it was so yeah. much fun. Yeah, they um, listened to me. I'm I'm glad they did. I'm glad that um, they did too. They must have came across that. Yeah. Hey, do you want to do a quiz? By the way, we've yeah. been going pretty long. I have a fun one for you. That. All right, let's it, do it. It might take a little bit, but I think you can get through it pretty quickly, and we don't have to like dwell on a lot of this. So, I wanted to give you a Sabers quiz that's a little bit different than anything we've done before, and you're gonna have to. We'll we'll go through one by one here, but essentially, what I want you to do, Taylor, is we are going to go from one as far up as you can go with naming a Sabres player who has worn each number. Oh, wow. See, this is good. Cause I definitely remember Jersey numbers. I'm very good at that. I know. Oh, <laughs> I definitely yeah. don't have Jersey dyslexia. Nope, not at all. So that's why I wanted to see it, or at least how many you can get. We'll go through and I'll keep it, keep a tally of how many you get. Yes. Okay. Sound good. Yeah. You sure. All right, here we go. Well, actually Taylor, we are going to start off not with number one, but with double zero for the one saber that has worn that. Is it Baron? It is Baron. There you go. You got one. All right. How about number one? Eight players have worn number one. Eight. Well, wow. so I remember this is a goalie number, and I at some point I've definitely seen a goalie wear it. Mm-hmm. But it's not Baron Miller Hashik. It's not Leonard. It's not Hutton. It's not Allmark. Let me know if you want any clues. Uh. Yeah, see, this one I need a clue because I definitely don't remember this. So one. there's a couple of clues I could give you that are are pretty. Uh, we'll probably give it away, but that's okay. We're well, how about this? Is it in my lifetime? What am I actually right that I remember seeing Both. someone? Yeah, you have actually. You've seen two people in your lifetime, one of which was for an extended period. Uh, we'll just I'll 
from 2010 well, to 2015, a goalie wore number one for the Sabres. And Jonas also, Senroth. Jonas Senroth. But also, I was going to say, at their inception, they did as well with Roger Crozier. Oh, okay. I should, yeah. yeah, Crozier. There's a lot of pictures of him. I should know that. Yeah, see, I, I wouldn't even have thought of Enroth, but yeah, that makes all, sense. All good. No, you got it. So, number two, this is an easy one. Tim Horton. Yes. Number three, 20 players have worn this number. Most recently, somebody James Patrick. James Patrick, that is correct. You could He's have around still, said, right? <laughs> you could have also said Will Borgen, Mark Pesic, Jordan Leopold, Michael Funk. Uh, going back a little bit further, Mike Robitaille wore number three. So Richie Dunn, some guys there. How about number four, Taylor? This is an easy one. Jason Woolley. Jason Woolley. And or you could have said Taylor Hall, Steve Monador, Josh Georges, Jamie McBain. Alexei Zitnik did for a year, as a matter of fact. Mm. How about number five? Rhett Warner. Ooh, no, I don't believe. Actually, no. Also, you were you got them mixed up. What am I saying here? You actually got them confused. Jason Woolley was number five. Rhett oh, okay. Four. Okay. All right. So we'll I'm give gonna... it to you, though. We'll give it to you. <laughs> All right. Six. Marco Scandella. Yes, sir. Uh, Seven. Mickey Mantle. <laughs> This one may seem like a hard one until you remember that there's a reason why not a lot of people. Oh, this. oh, um, shit. Which one is it though? It's. <sighs> Ooh, I gave you Willie and Warner, so I'm not going to give you this one. No, no, no. Is, is it Martin? No, it's not. Ah, piss. Just kidding. It is. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> oh, I uh, sir, you, you're living La Vida Loca. A little bit. I wanted to get a little wild there on you. All right. Number eight. Um, all right. I'm trying to think of the French connection ones now, but hmm. it is. Yeah. No, oh, is there, there's been number eights. Oh yeah. There's been recently a couple of them. There was uh one in 2019, a classic guy who is, uh, you know, Amherst slash Saber repeatedly. Um, another guy who was here in the same era that Jonas Enroth was, and he currently has a role in Harbor Center. Uh, oh, God. Wait, 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 wait. What number was Matt? No, no, Matt Ellis was 37. Nope. Uh, Cody McCormick? Cody McCormick, number eight. That is correct. Number nine. This is an easy one. Perot. Let's screw this up. Fuck. No, 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 no. Not number nine. God damn it. I'm not even going to say it now. I'm not, I'm not going to take away the easy one. I'm try, I, I've told you about it numbers. Uh, Evander Kane. <laughs> yes. Also acceptable would have been Jack Eichel, Derek Roy, bunch of them there. Yeah, that's bad. <clears throat> no, that's all right. That is that is quite all right. Steve Ott, you could have said. Um, oh, get the fuck out of here. Let's start a new one. <laughs> all right. How here, about easy. Henrik Tolinder. Number 10. That would be be correct from 2002 to 2010 other names include yoki haru patrick berglund yuck jacob josephson yuck cole snyder western new york native christian Erhoff. oh yeah mark parish brad may craig ramsey uh hey how about number 11 taylor this is yeah you, all right we'll, we'll skip that one then uh number... no wait 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 no hold on because 7 11 and 14 are the french connection ones yes yeah so anything to add uh number 11 taylor you know what pair was 11 and robert is 14 there you go all right how about number 12 number nine how about (laughs) number 12 
Uh, Brian Gianza. Yep, that'll work. Also acceptable. What about Eric Stahl, Kevin Porter, Kodalik, the homie? Oh, um, I should have said him. Oh, yeah. All right. 13. This is a tougher one. Uh, Tobias Reader? Toby, you got it. You also could have said Slava Kozlov. No, I, oh, I couldn't. Tim Kennedy was also number 13. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tim Kennedy. Yep. Yuri Novotny, uh, Jimmy VC. How about number 14? You already called it. Robert, yeah. Nice. Uh, 15. Jack Eichel. You are correct. That would be correct. Yes, Dinah Zubris, Dixon Ward, uh, Gary Meehan. Who else? There's some names on here. Riley Sheehan right now. J.S. Dia. Um, Milan Bartovic, Taylor. Come on now. I can't believe you wouldn't have guessed him for number 15. <laughs> How about number 16? Easy one. Taylor. It is? Taylor. Come on. See, buddy. I, I have, I know I have an idea of what it is, and I'm going to say it. Taylor. You want to, you want to, here's a funny, here's a funny, this is not a guess, but I was thinking all the retired numbers, making sure I don't embarrass myself. I already too late for that. I don't know what number Danny Garrett was. We're getting close, but you kind Kyle of Fontaine. Yeah, there you go. I was going to say, you kind of gave yourself a hint. You know who else actually wore number 16? Uh, who? Our dearly departed Chris Taylor. Oh, wow. Yeah. How about number 17? Uh, Gragnani. Wow. Nicely done. Mark andre Gragnani. Also acceptable would have been Wayne Simmons, rock legend John Fogarty this year. Um, <laughs> Vladimir Sabatka, David Leguan, Linus Omark, Tori Mitchell, Dominic Moore, JP Dumont, the probably, uh, the, probably the one I should actually not the best number 17. That would probably go to Mike Felino, I would assume. Oh yeah. 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 Um, let's see here. Jason Daw. Yeah. There's some guys, Floyd Smith. All right. Number 18. This is Danny Gare. It is Danny Gare. You also could have said Tim Connolly, Miroslav Shatan for one season. Michael Grosick actually also donned number 18. All right, number 19. Tim Connolly. Tim Connolly, yes. 20. Um, 20 feels like it shouldn't be that hard. There's a current Sabre who we both despise who wears this number. I don't despise anyone. Taylor. Yes, you do. Yes, see, you this do. is actually bad because I should know this. I should be really mad. Like, I, I should get PTSD. Like, when I see 19, I think of, like, Connolly and Wentz. Like, oh, no, did he get hurt again? Or, you know, I think of 23 with Villilano. But, yeah. All right. Well, then, oh, is this Cody Eakin? It is Cody Eakin, yes. It's not even sticking in my mind. Yeah, that's okay, though. Also oh, acceptable. I'm going to check been. it out on this team. That's all right. Also acceptable would have been Scott Wilson, Rob Niedermeyer, Dan Pye wore it from 2006, 2010. Henry Talinder wore it actually on his second stint with the Sabres. So we got some names there. How about number 21? Another easy one. Oh, Pozo. Pozo. Yes. Drew Stafford also on there. Christian Rutu, Richie Dunn. Uh, yeah. So we got some names. 22. Oh, this one shouldn't be hard. It shouldn't be. And I can give you a hint when. If oh, you... it's Larson. Larson. There you go. Also on this list is Brad Boys, Adam Mayer, Wayne Primo, uh, Lindy Ruff, as a matter of fact, as well. 23. Another easy one. Vili Leno. Correct. He's How the about... best guy. That's for 23, right? 
definitely. Yes. He is definitely better than Sam Reinhardt and Chris Drury for sure. Um, okay. 24. Didn't Bogosian wear 24? No, no, no. He wore 47 then four. 24. Hmm, I'm picturing a defense current saver. Yep. And a defenseman actually as of last season too. Wait, what? Hold on. Current saver. 24. Taylor. Hold on. I need, uh, Buddy. Ooh. This is rough, man. Jack Bauer? Yes, that is actually Jack Bauer. Yes. Oh, no. They wouldn't suck so bad if he was around. <sighs> you got a couple of guys on here. You have uh, a defenseman who... That's well, what I'm saying. It's a defenseman. Well, there's a couple of defensemen who you could say that you would know for sure. Um, What's, was Alexander Solzer 24? No, definitely not. Teammate of his, though, actually, who we had acquired, who people had anticipated to be a really big pickup, but it really didn't. Airhoff? Nope, 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 nope. Airhoff Reg- was Regeer. Robin Regeer, that is correct. Wow, I had the error right. But... Yeah, Dylan Cousins is the current Saber, and Lawrence Pilot <laughs> is the from oh, last year. Wait, what do you mean defensive as of last year? Oh, Lawrence Pilot from Lawrence last Pilot. year. Lawrence Pilot, yeah. So when you said that, I thought you meant someone that played defense like in a pinch last year. Oh, okay. no. I mean, it makes sense because we had like 100 defensemen. Yeah, Sorry. Dylan Cousins. Like I said, I ha- I really have uh, complete amnesia when it comes to this. That's all right. Team. How about uh, only number- one I thought of was Shane for fifteen. No, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, how about number twenty-five? No current sabers on this list. Couple Mike big- Greer. Mike Greer, you're damn right. David Andrewchuk as well. Carlo Koliakovo, Mikhail Grigorenko. Twenty-six, easy. Vanek. There you go. Darlene Molson. Uh, yeah, you got some guys. Val James actually. Yep, he was twenty-six. Uh, how about uh, 27? Ooh. You got a current Sabre, uh, Sabre from the 05 to 07 teams, um, a Sabre that we talked about already on this episode. 27. We talked about a Sabre on this episode, huh? Oh, yes. We, I don't remember we're talking we, about the Sabres at all. I know. Former Sabre. Like, he doesn't. he's retired now. And the sadness that came with losing him because people wouldn't open their purse. Oh, Michael Pekka. Michael Pekka. There it is. Yeah, that was too many hints. Sorry. That's okay. All right. Here, Uh, I'll get this one right away. 28. The Goose. Damn right. 29. Pominville. Damn right. 30. Uh, Miller. There you go. 31. Was Braun 31 after double zero? No. He was 41. Okay. There was a goalie that was 31. I'm just going to go through all the goalies then. Was Leonard 31? <laughs> nope. You're right. right, though, that it is a goalie. There are several right. goalies. Hackett, Lynn back. Yeah. Lewin. Okay, yeah. Which, which one? Hackett. Oh, okay, good. Goalies who have worn number 31 in descending order as follows. Tokarski this year, Anders Nielsen, Chad Johnson, Matt Hackett, Drew McIntyre, Bob Asenza in 2002, Steve Shields, Grant Fuhr, Darren Pupa. And then that that goes up until about uh, 1988 to 1993 for Poopa. There's a few guys before then too, but we'll keep rolling through. 32, easy one. Rob Ray. Yep, 33. Current Saber. Two current Sabres actually. One wore this two years ago when he came up for a brief stint. Oh, okay. Who came up for a brief stint a couple of years ago? Mm-hmm. Did Middlestat wear it when he came up originally? No. Okay. Defenseman. 
defenseman who came up a couple years ago. Briefly, so, very, very, very briefly. But he's a current saver. Yes. Think, why would he be here briefly a couple of years ago and be here now? Yeah, why would he be? <laughs> you tell me, pal. Think about oh, it. Okay. What do the okay. Sabres do? What do the Sabres always do with their young players? Bring him up and then put him back down. But did Borgen wear it a couple of years ago? Will Borgen, that is correct. Colin Miller currently wears it. You could have also said Jason Kasdorf, Joel Armia, TJ Brennan, uh, Doug Janik. Oh, those guys that played a combined seven games. I guess I could have signed any of them. You could have, yeah. yeah. Colin Miller, though, would have been. Yeah, yeah, Colin Miller. Yeah, that guy, I literally, we talked about this episode. All good. 34, current Sabre. Mm, disagree. Okay. Actually, there's a few guys on here whose names, you, who, who you would know. 34? Mm-hmm. Mm. That's an ugly number. I don't like it. Paul Pierce, your boy. My boy. <laughs> About to be a Hall of Famer. 34, current saver. Real current saver? Yeah, like he legitimately played the other night or last night, whenever they played. Uh, what number is Johansson? <laughs> there you go. That's the one. 34. <laughs> is it him? It is. Yeah, that's a stupid number they'd give to a third goalie. Okay. There you go. 35. I don't, I don't believe that. Is oh, there what? a 35, man? Is, there's no 35. Yes, there is. Current saver. <laughs> okay he also happens to be our starting goalie moving on oh carter hutton number 36 uh 36 i don't know i see here's what's crazy allmark is play. this is a six-year playing year i have no idea what number allmark is yeah man 35 35 yep okay 36, 36. there's a 36 right now no, no. not right now but oh, okay there's definitely 36s that you should know Two in particular. One is a, an asshole, uh, and the other is a Western New York native. Is Barnaby 36? Barnaby. That is the asshole. 37. Oh, Coletta. 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 Yes, correct. 37's middle set. Yep. And Matt Ellis. And Curtis Brown. No, all, the re- all the respect for Curtis Brown. Oh, 38. Yeah. Ooh. Tough one. 38. Yep. That's Speaking of ugly numbers, Jesus. Hideous number. Uh, hideous, okay, hideous, real quick hideous. though. The ACL you called and said you have to knock the, you have to cut this off at 50 and we have to finish the last 50 later because I don't want to embarrass myself too much. That's okay. <laughs> the ACL. <laughs> uh well, that's all right. I wasn't gonna go all the way. We'll go to 50 and then maybe next time we'll go up to uh, 50 to or 51 to 98. Okay, so wait, what were we at again? 38? 38. Can you tell me when the last the last how many 38s have we had? We have had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. The most recent one was in 20 set from 2017 to 2018. Before that was from 2006 to 2010. The 2006, 2006. that guy was recently on the Rochester Americans. Nathan Page. Correct. 39. Easy one. The greatest goalie in NHL history. You're damn right. Also, for what it's worth, everybody, the most recent number 38 was Taylor Fadoon. Number 40. Actually, a good friend of mine wore this number. Patty Laleem. A good friend of mine and your brother's, I should say. Yes. Yeah. That is correct. Also acceptable is uh, Robin Lehner, 
and uh, Cataract Carter. Uh, oh, see, Carter's four. I, you could you could have told me any number. I I straight up will not commit that to memory. That's okay. Forty one. Stu Barnes. Stu. That is correct. Uh, you also could have said Victor Olofsson for a brief period of time, Clark MacArthur or Andre Mazaros or Justin Falk. If you really wanted to get crazy or Ken Sutton, if you wanted to go old school, a wow. whole lot of trash right there. Oh yeah, baby. 42 this should be an easy one. That's right. It's retired because it was worn by Jackie Robinson. Yep. That's correct. No, uh, 42 should be an easy one, huh? Yep. All right. So a defenseman that we all used to rag on as kids. And by we, I mean like 90s babies. <laughs> defenseman we used to rag on. Yep. Well. For very low-hanging fruit reasons. Name puns. Oh. Hmm. You got me thinking here. Because I was thinking of another defenseman that we used to rag on, and I – I don't know why I would remember this, and it's probably wrong, but Tyson Strachan wasn't 42, was he? Oh, no. I'm saying, like... No, no, no. I, I know. Oh, no. So... It, was, it was not Tyson Strachan, though. Also for 42... Name puns. Yeah, this one will probably give it away, but there was also a, 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 a tiny forward who was that number. I think he was at the Capitol Insurrection, I'm pretty sure. Oh, Nathan Gerby. I own his jersey. Yeah, man. <laughs> I not get that. Wow. Wait, who's, who's the defenseman you're talking about? For uh, I'm talking about Richard Schmelick, baby. Oh, yeah, yes, Schmelich. sir. 43, easy. Um, I literally told you this like two minutes ago who it was. <laughs> I swear really? to god, I did. Oh, you know what? It's Tyson Strachan, isn't it? It's back again. <laughs> no, no. Fun fact about number 43, nobody, and actually for 41 too, wow, nobody even wore 43 until the year 1990 for the Sabres. Then uh, a goaltender wore it for them for a very long time, followed by a forward. Marty Baran, and then Connor Sheary also would have been a good answer. 44. Reggie Jackson. Correct. Famous Buffalo Sabre. Again, we have a uh, defenseman from uh, our, our childhood era, along with a defenseman from the post. Jitnik, Jitnik yes. Uh, Jerry Korab wore 44 briefly. Sakara wore it. Delorier, Braden McNabb, and currently Matt Irwin. Oh, yeah. Matt, Matt Irwin does. Horrible number. Horrible. Horrible number for a player. Anybody. Uh, 45. This feels like there was definitely there was of late there's yeah there was one well there was even one from the uh from the 2000s from 2000 to 2008 oh okay 2008 i thought he left even a year before then wow 2000 to 2008 there's no way that was no he's got to be out of here by holy jesus wow he really was Colinen? Yeah. Did you know that? I didn't even. Yeah, yeah, no, I remember. So the first year when they missed the playoffs after uh, July 1st, uh, 2007, they, Colinen was like the biggest, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, like punching bag. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like people, people ragged on Colinen a lot and his effort. I just didn't. Yeah, I didn't. I forgot that he was there past that. I thought he had left uh, in 07 interesting all right anyways uh what was that number 45 46 yeah. oh boy 
There is actually a guy here who you know. 46, huh? Yep. Good old cement feet. Cement feet? Wow. Yeah. Is it Cody Fronson? It is Cody Fronson. Ooh, 47. You already got this one, actually. Bogosian. Yes. 48. Ugh. Ugh. I'm trying to think if there's another 48 I know. There I are. Know there's two it. other ones. Actually, there's one that you should especially know due to personal reasons. Ooh. Really? Mm-hmm. Taylor, is Taylor Pyatt number 48? No, personal meaning like professional reasons. William Carrier? Yeah, William Carrier, actually. Oh, well, okay. Also that other guy. Our, our beautiful, sweet boy, Danny. 49. 49. Remember that thing I said about Sabres who can never stick in the lineup? Yeah. This guy's still here. Uh, okay. He's still here? He should be up right now. Okay, so that could be well, – that wouldn't be R2 because R2's never played. So someone that's down. So that could be C.J. Smith. It would be C.J. Smith. That is correct. And how about the only – to cap it all off, Taylor, the only player to wear number 50 for the Buffalo Sabres. Former promising goalie prospect from the uh, mid-2010s. Promising prospect. He kind so, of went off the radar a little bit, and then he came onto the scene, and people had a lot of faith in him, and then his career was unfortunately derailed by injuries. Oh, Nathan Lewin? Nathan Lewin. That is correct. Nice guy. All right, well, how about that? Look at you go. What a great job you did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, I wouldn't even be that mad except for about, like, three of them because I gave the warning going in that I don't I don't pay attention to the numbers. You did pretty well, all things considered, aside from the – hiccups in the beginning <laughs> number nine Gilbert Perot who could forget number nine who Gilbert Perot they called him of yeah. course of course anything else you want to add before we sign off Taylor no I don't have any recommendations right now honestly because uh sports are on again I guess I don't know what I mean by that because sports have been on this whole time but the tournament's coming up and I guess that's my recommendation you know college basketball is fun this time of year so all right. Uh, I do have my random series player of the, of the week, though. Wait, I actually do have a, uh, a recommendation, if that's okay. Oh, okay. What is it? It's actually, I recommend that people do a cool thing. And it is uh, actually for Buffalo Stringworks, which is a really, really awesome local organization. My sister, Jennifer, actually does some volunteer work with them. And they are actually going to be hosting um, this really cool virtual concert fundraiser. Uh, and it's actually leading the way is the national. The national is going to be like playing in this thing, which wow. is, yeah, which is pretty cool. Matt Burning, uh, um, really, uh, really cool dude. He's, I, I don't really know what his Buffalo connections are, but he has known, um, about Buffalo Stringworks and they ended up reaching out to him. They got this in. Um, they also have, uh, Richard Reed Perry from Arcade Fire is going to be performing. A bunch of people are, are going to be taking part in this. Uh, so it's a, bir- a virtual benefit concert. As I had said, it takes place on Saturday, March 20th at 7 PM. And it will remain available for people to view uh, through Saturday, March 27th at 11.59 p.m. Tickets, uh, they range in price from $20 to $150, which each level uh, of ticket that they have there having their own perks, which is really great. Um, Early birds who purchase their tickets by 5 p.m. on Saturday, March 20th, have exclusive access to a silent auction that they're going to be doing, which is really cool. 
Uh, there's also some dinner and drink packages that are going to be uh, involved with this too, if you would be interested, donated by Left Bank. Uh, so this is pretty cool. Uh, it's, it's really awesome. So be sure to check this out. There's a Facebook event for it. If you just search, uh, they would only walk, uh, or even if you just search Buffalo Stringworks, actually go to Buffalo Stringworks Facebook page. It's the very first event that they have up on there and check it out. It's a really, really, really great cause. Um, great organization that does some, some awesome work in the local community, especially, uh, in the East side, which is, which is a heavy immigrant community here in Buffalo. So they do great outreach work and great, just work in general, uh, and all around a really great organization that just reaches an olive branch out and connects, you know, different parts of the city together. So make sure you're checking that out. Highly, highly, highly recommend. Uh, so that is my recommendation for the week, but Taylor, who is your random savers player of the episode? Yours and Roth. Jonas Enroth, really? You don't say. All right. Well, for mine, I'm going to go with Clark MacArthur. Good stuff. Great stuff. All right, everybody. Well, thank you so much for tuning in. This has been another episode of Straight Up Sabres presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and Buffalo Fanatics. Again, make sure you are checking out the Hockey Podcast Network and all of our fellow shows to be up to date on all of the happenings around the NHL, everything from the Sabres, of course, with yours truly, to every other team, and also with some great other content thrown in there from other NHL personalities as well. Make sure you're checking out Buffalo Fanatics. Uh, free agency is really starting to kick up right now, and they're doing a great job of covering the potential targets for who the Bills might go after, whether it's Johnny Smith or Curtis Samuel on the offensive side of the ball. Um, some good options out there on defense as well, too, to uh, get the Bills ready for their upcoming Super Bowl run next season. So make sure you're checking out Buffalo Fanatics as well. And make sure you're checking out both entities on their respective websites, the hockeypodcastnetwork.com and the buffalofanatics.com. And also making sure you're checking out their respective podcasts that they do as well. And make sure you are checking us out on social media. You can find us on Twitter at Straight Sabres, on Facebook and Instagram at Straight Up Sabres. And you can follow us on our personal accounts too. Uh, Taylor on Twitter, I believe you are what? Nigrelli93? Yep. And I'm Brendan1423, so make sure you're following us. And uh, and keep listening and, and hit that subscribe button if you haven't. And also, if you're on Apple too, we would really appreciate it if you gave us a nice little five star rating there. If you know, if you think we're worth it, if you think we're worth one star, then don't do that. But five would be cool. <laughs> we're, we're we're pretty good guys. So uh, all right, well, everybody, this has been another episode of Straight Up Sabers. Thank you all so much for tuning in. We will talk to you again on Monday. 